Isaiah 9, 6, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Almighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Each week we've been going through one of those titles, and this week the title is Prince of Peace. Maybe sometimes at Christmas time we need an extra measure, an extra dose of the Prince of Peace. I actually uh, went out the other night and braved the uh, crowds uh, to go do Christmas shopping. And in my shame, I bowed my head. There is no peace. <laughs> I found myself leaving uh, the mall. You know, I went on this recon mission to begin with. The greatest love is not that I would give my life for another, but that I would go shopping for another. You have no idea. And so I'm, I'm there, and I'm, and, I'm, and, I'm, and I'm braving the crowds, and, uh, and, I, and, and I got there, and I'm thinking, I just don't feel like buying anything, you know? And it just seemed overwhelming to me. And, uh, and so I left from my first recon mission thinking, I need a nap, and uh, I bought absolutely nothing. And, uh, and so as I'm leaving, I found myself praying to the Lord, God, I, I love Christmas. I just don't like shopping. A few years ago, I had uh, returned from Afghanistan. And the great thing about my tour is I had 30,000 miles in and around country, which means I got to see everything. That was good. The lousy thing about my tour is I got to see everything. And so coming home, um, just horrible stories, uh, horrendous things, and even sometimes coming home and finding that there was no peace in my heart at, at all, and then trying to make sense of it. Have you ever had a loss or a hard time in your life that you tried to make sense of? And just being around people was tough. As a pastor, this is hard to say, but you know what? I found myself walking into church and wanting to walk right back out the door. It was the hardest thing to even be among God's people or to be in a crowd at all. There was just no peace anywhere. Waking up in the middle of the night to night startles, having problems with crowds and, and, and driving on highways, it was tough. And then at Christmas time, you get these verses, and he will be called the Prince of Peace. And the next line, and of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. Huh. Sometimes I read that, and maybe you read that in your life, and maybe there's been a season where you go, it's a lie, it's a lie, it's a lie. As to peace in my life, at least at this point in time, there seems to be no start. In terms of peace in my life, it seems that it has ended. Maybe there was a season that I had it, but I wonder if it'll ever come back again and, and what I can do about that. Have you, ever, have you ever felt that way? Oh God, I'm so alone. I'm so lost, I'm so hurt, I'm wounded, I'm messed up. The year was uh, 1863, horrific battles in the country had taken place, north against south. Years before, Henry Wadsworth Longfellow, his family, um, his wife had perished in a fire, and his son had gone forward without his permission to fight in the Civil War and was horribly, horribly wounded. And then the bells started ringing on Christmas morning. Peace on earth, peace on earth, peace on earth. And in the midst of that, he wrote this famous hymn. Maybe you know the words. I heard the bells on Christmas Day. Do you know it? 
their old familiar carols play. And wild and sweet, the words repeat of peace on earth, good will to men. And then in shame I bowed my head. There is no peace on earth, I said. For hate is strong and mocks the song of peace on earth, good will to men. There will never be any peace on the earth ever that is the result of the designs of people. Are you aware of it? And sometimes when we think of peace, we think that we have the solution, but let me tell you, we do not. What this peace that the Prince of Peace brings, what it is not about, is it is not about the Pax Romana, the idea that a country or a nation, together with their own military might, could place peace down on the world and it would be true peace. What you might have is the ability for commerce to take place. And maybe for those people of violent means to be held at bay because of law enforcement or because of military might. It is not true peace that is keeping the peace in the Pax Romana, but it is fear that is keeping it. It's not a ceasefire. It's not simply an end to hostilities. We are fighting today and tomorrow we're not because we've called for a ceasefire. What peace is, is its well-being truly in our hearts versus warfare. It's true trust of the person that was your enemy before versus hostility. It's friends versus enemies. It's, it's got this idea of totality, of maturity, of soundness, of wholeness, of security, of well-being, of friendship, of agreement, and finally in life being totally complete. My last name is Riley, and if you know anything about the history of Ireland, you know this, that there has been warfare in Ireland for decades. And who is it? It's Catholics versus what? Protestants. There's even a, a peace movement that says, let's bring people from Ireland, children from Ireland to the United States, and let's put them in mixed faith households. What a joke, mixed faith. Protestant and Catholic. Mixed faith. There is only one Lord and God of us all, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ. And today in Ireland and this weekend, the song will ring out. Peace on earth, goodwill to men, and in churches across that country, there will be hatred. Because that Catholic killed my daddy, and that Protestant blew up my mom. How can there ever be peace in a country like that? True, true peace. But how about ours? In these days, you're aware that in many places there is hatred and animosity that is moving forward. Black against white, Hispanic against Asian. Doesn't matter what color you are, there is unrest in the land. And some of it has to do with the decades of harm that have proceeded and have nothing to do with the individual players, but it doesn't make any difference because you're a symbol to me of the harm that has been done to me and my family over the years. But every now and then, I think by God's Spirit, as the text said this morning, 
peace breaks out in unexpected places. Maybe you saw this story. There was a little boy seeing the violence that was going on in his town, and he walked out, and he had this little handwritten sign, so humble. And all it said was free hugs. And I don't know if you saw the picture, but here came a heavenly armed, helmeted police officer. And the story goes this way. The police officer went and talked to the boy. And there was kindness exchanged between them. And as the officer turned to go, he turned around and said, can I have a hug? And there before God and everybody, this little guy threw his arms around this boy and the two of them wept together. And peace broke out in our country in that one place, in that one moment. And that was a God thing. It's not a peace that we can bring about by ourselves. The peace that we're promised is a peace without boundaries of the increase of his government and of peace. There will be no end. It's eternal and it goes forever. Man, we can have peace maybe for a day, right? We can have peace maybe for a moment, right? Or for a season of our life, but the promise is it will have no end. It will be infinite. How will it be accomplished? The zeal of God Almighty. That's the only way that's accomplished. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Well, what's zeal? Zeal is this. It is actually a military term of all things. Impassioned devotion to a person, to a person, or to a people, and a cause. But more than that, the flip side of it is a willingness to suffer violence for that person or those people and the cause. Zeal is, I am willing to make the ultimate sacrifice for it. Peace. And God says at Christmas, I'm willing to make the ultimate sacrifice for it because I so passionately love people. And so at Christmas time, he does, and the baby comes down and and grows to manhood and dies on the cross, literally suffering violence for the cause of peace. And as a result of it, you and I are here And as a result of it, peace with God is not only transcending 2,000 years of history, but is moving into the future forever. The peace, we're told, will come humbly. The Prince of Peace will come humbly. And there is a prophecy that was written about 300 plus years before Jesus ever came on the planet. Total prophecy tells you how he will come, when he will come, the time and the place. How many of you have ever read Gene Dixon's predictions, you know, at the beginning of the new year? You ever remember those in the National Enquirer? You read these things and you think, that's just, they're all wrong. Nothing comes true. But they like her predictions. The reality is that Gene Dixon's got nothing on God. Because every single one of his comes true. 300 years before, here it comes in Micah. But you, O Bethlehem. Ephrata, though you are small, though you are humble, though you are the smallest among the clans of Judah, out of you, the smallest, the least, the humblest, out of you will come one from me who will be ruler over all of Israel. It's a riddle, but there's something interesting about him. 
Not only will this person be a person, but you're told this, his origins are from old, from an ancient times, and that's a Hebrew way of saying his start is before time even began. So in Bethlehem will come one who will be ruler over Israel, a person, but whose beginnings are from eternity. Who fits that bill? Only the one who is fully God and fully man. The Prince of Peace will come at a specific time in history. Therefore, Israel will be abandoned until the time when she who is in labor, okay, a woman's going to be in labor, gives birth. But not just anybody, the rest of his brothers must return to join the Israelites. This little baby will be born whose origins are from old, and everybody will be returning to Jerusalem, to Judah, to Bethlehem to join him. And it came to pass that Caesar Augustus issued a decree over the entire Roman world that each person should come to their country, to their place of origin, that a census might be taken. Poor old Caesar thinks he's counting his people. And God is using him to get everybody home to Bethlehem so that Micah might come true. A specific time and place in history. And now this truth. The Prince of Peace will be peace. And when all this happens, at that point in time, finally, they, you, me, everyone, will live securely for his greatness will reach to the ends of the earth and he will be their peace. More than any local peace in Jerusalem, more than any Pax Romana, the promise was is that the peace who is not a government, not a nation, but a person would reach the ends of the earth. And so today it is reaching and continues to reach because we have brothers and sisters in Jerusalem and Judea and in Asia and in Europe and all the way into America and South America and Central America where we dwell. We are proof that the peace is extending throughout all the earth. He will be our peace. And the Prince of Peace is juxtaposed against the Prince of Darkness the prince of the power of the air, the prince of this world, who is nothing because our prince is the almighty God who created, sustains, and holds it all together. Here's the truth. Exist outside of his kingdom and his rule, and there will be no peace for you. Exist within it. And you have peace because you have him. So the kingdom expands. But there is a block to peace that we read about this morning in Ephesians chapter 2. And you're asked to remember this. Remember. Don't forget it. Remember. Think about it for yourself. Think about it in graciousness for others. Remember, there was a time when you were separate from Christ. When you were excluded from citizenship in the kingdom, in Israel, and foreigners 
to all the covenants and promises, you didn't have a clue what God had promised you. And this was the truth. Because of that separation, you were without hope and without God in this world. What a horrible place to be. But, and here is our way to peace, the exception, but, but, but now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near through the blood of Christ, for he himself is our peace. You have been brought near. How many of you have ever tried to make peace on your own? I've got to have peace. I'm going to make it. I'm going to do it. Tomorrow it all changes. Have you ever tried to do that? And maybe for a moment, just a moment, you have it. And then what? It's gone. What he is saying is, it's me. It's not a thing, but a person. It's not a concept. It's not something that can be lost. It's not something that we must keep by our own diplomacy. We talk about peacekeepers and keeping the peace, right? And it's forced. And God's saying, look, you can't do it on your own. So I'll be your peace. Not a nation with boundaries, not a place, not a treaty. I'll be your peace, and I'll hold on to it for you. Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad that it's not up to you? Because if it's up to me, it'll be, it'll be gone in just a little bit of time. I'll blow it because I'm so messed up, and so are you, and I'm broken, and so are you, but he's not. And he holds it for us. I love those titles. Wonderful Counselor, Almighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And they go from gentle to strong, from gentle to strong. Wonderful Counselor, gentle and wise. Almighty God, powerful and able. Everlasting Father. Loving and embracing. Prince of peace. Dominion and authority. Bringing wholeness and safety. Finally. And so, as the thought moves about peace, Longfellow writes on. He doesn't leave the poem there, but writes on. Then peal the bells more loud and deep. God is not dead nor does he sleep. The wrong will fail. The right prevail. With peace on earth. With Jesus. And goodwill to men. Then ringing, singing on its way, the world revolved from night to day and rolled along the unbroken song of peace on earth. Goodwill to men. The peace is not broken. You cannot break it because the peace is Him. And there were shepherds in the fields abiding, keeping watch over their flocks by night. And suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and they were sore. <laughs> sore afraid. 
And the angel said, fear not, for I bring you great tidings of good news, of great joy. For unto you this day in the city of David is born to you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And you will find the baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel. God couldn't hold himself back anymore. All the legions of heaven had been sent forward for this very moment. All the power of it. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts. Rank upon rank upon rank. Praising God. And saying. Not sweet singing, but the voice of power and authority. Picture yourself in the wildest stadium you've ever been with in your life, and your team has just scored the winning touchdown. That's nothing. Rank upon rank. Glory to God in the highest. It begins there. The angel song to the Lord. But now God's uncontrolled, huge, passionate zealous message to us. Glory to God in the highest. And what? And peace. Peace on earth. Goodwill to you. To you. See, God's not out there as some great killjoy seeking to stomp us. He knows how we're formed and he knows our need. I'm lonely. He is your peace. I'm hurt and wounded. He is your peace. All my dreams and hopes have been dashed. He is your peace. I've blown it. My life is messed up. He is your peace. One of the deepest greetings that Christians ever gave each other throughout the centuries was this. The peace of the Lord be with you. And the answer, and also with you. Understanding that none of us is perfect. None of us is good to go. None of us is okay by ourselves. Each of us needs the prince who brings peace. Because what? He is peace. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for this time and for this hour and for the privilege of worshiping you. And God, even now as we head toward Christmas, I know without any hesitation that there are those of us in this room that are hurting, those that have, have, have suffered losses this year, those who have failed. And yet, God, you come to us in this moment and say, I am your peace now and forever. Let me be that for you. Also in this room this morning, Lord, I know that there are those who may be saying, I need that peace. I need to give my life to the Prince of Peace and let him be that for me. And if that's you this morning and this Christmas time, you would like to make Christmas whole and proclaim him not only Prince of Peace but your Savior, then let me invite you to do that this morning as you give your life to him and become a Christian. With all heads bowed and eyes closed, I would just ask this. If you are ready to make that commitment, just lift up your eyes and look at me. And we'll agree that today is the day that you give your life to the Savior.
walking across the room, just look up at me if this is your desire for the day. I'm walking across the room now. Are you looking at me? Okay. You too? All right. And you too? Okay. And you? All right. Huh. And you, sir? All right. And you too, sir? Okay. And you too? Wonderful. And you as well? Okay. Well, we have brothers and sisters about to join us this morning about to make the Prince of Peace their peace in the midst of uh, the horrible darknesses of life so that they can speak to the Lord out loud without worrying about anybody hearing them but God and themselves in their own heart. Why don't you repeat this prayer after me? And for you that are coming to faith this morning, make this your prayer to the Lord. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, today, And forevermore, you are the Prince of Peace in my life. I give you my life this morning. All the darkness, all the mistakes, all my sin. Forgive me and come into my life. Dwell in me and be my peace now and forevermore. I love you, Jesus. I'm yours. Amen.